Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing, and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with another guest, Nancy McKay. And what's so interesting about Nancy, and of course, so many things are, but what was very curious to me is that she uses, um, she coaches using horses and um, as co-facilitators in her life coaching. And I'd really like to uh, jump on that right away, but there are other things she's going to talk about. She is a whiz at mindset and building resilience. And so I'd like her to speak for herself. Nancy, welcome to Multiple Voices. I'm glad that you were able to take the time to stay with us today, be with us today. Well, thank you, Claudia. It's a pleasure to be here. Good. (laughs) Good. Now we got that out of the way. So Nancy, I see that you're from Colorado. And um, when I read your profile and I saw your uh, use of horses, I thought right away, I thought of that wonderful film with Robert Redford, for, uh, The Horse Whisperer. Is that the name yep. of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, then she's got a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> so why don't you tell me how you started that? Were you always, uh, were you born and raised in that uh, state or? Um... I was, I was born and raised in Colorado. I had no um, or very little contact with horses. Oh, um, as I was growing up, I'm not mm-hmm. a horsewoman, so to ah, speak. That yeah. that grew up on a you know a beautiful ranch right. and had lots of horses. That was not my life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had done a little bit of trail riding, that sort of thing, and I always loved horses. I just mm-hmm. wasn't around them that much. I live in the city, so. Mm-hmm. Let me just take a moment to talk about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Stamps.com. It is the holiday season. The holidays are upon us. And we all use the mail. And we all go to the post office, right? If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. 
It makes sense. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. You know, if you're like me, I have a small business and it is a one-man show. It usually is a one-man show for all of us. And when I have, especially during the season, but really all season, holiday season, but all year round, I save time and money using stamps.com. So whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, stamps.com can save you so much time, money, stress during the holidays. Access the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of uh, using stamps.com is like, kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Couple of floors, sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, I guess you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. We could all stand to save time and money all holiday seasons. So let's start that this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD, that's P-O-D, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code POD, P-O-D. You'll be happy that you did. So I had an opportunity to uh, be a client for a woman who was doing Equus coaching, and she was in Santa Fe, and I just, oh my gosh, it was the most incredible experience. Now, wait a minute. You chose her because of that, or that was something she did you didn't know? I no, I chose her because of that. Uh-huh. I had heard ah. uh, that that working with horses was a really kind of a magical experience, and yeah. I I really wanted to experience experience it. that. Yeah. So, yeah. how so long I, ago was that? That was in 2017. Okay, so fairly recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I did that, and then the following year. Yes, it was in 2018. I went to a women's Equus retreat. Oh, in that Arizona. Sounds, sounds beautiful. So for a weekend, I got to play with horses. And well, what do you, wait, wait, uh, wait? When you say you have to play with horses, what does that look like for someone who has never ridden a horse? Right, right. So this has nothing to do with riding. The the ah. experience in 2017. And 2018 and beyond has, there's no writing involved. All of Uh it is groundwork. Uh So it's really learning to connect with a horse. And, and the thing that's so fascinating about horses is they mirror back to you what you're putting out in the world. Let me get, let, let me have an example. Okay. If if you can remember. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. So for instance... Uh, you know, if, if you go into the round pen, which is, uh, you know, a 
kind and, of a fenced enclosure. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, it's about 60 feet in diameter. Uh-huh. And so if you go in there and you pretend that everything is wonderful, thank you yeah. very much. Mm-hmm. I don't have a care in the world. And yet, in you know, to to yourself, you're thinking, yeah, that, that's a bunch of BS. You, yeah. you know, you're filing for bankruptcy next week, right? right. Or something, you know, yeah. or right. you're going through a divorce or right. something right. like that. But you're pretending like right. everything's fine. So the horse picks up on our energy, mm-hmm. and the horse knows that you're not congruent. Mm-hmm. That that you're pretending to be or have be something that you're not you're trying to feel something that that isn't there or you're trying to hide something right you know i have to say that this is the absolute first time that i've come across someone who works with that type of system uh for coaching and Mm -hmm. you know like i said it was in the movies the horse whisperer for me that's um and you heard it from someone else. So there is a grapevine there, you know, word of mouth mm-hmm. that really works still today. And um, had you before then, if you don't mind me asking, had you tried other forms of coaching that didn't work, yeah. for example? Oh, well, as far as professionally for me mm-hmm. using the, the method, yeah. Well, I am a certified Wayfinder Life Coach through Martha Beck. Mm-hmm. And her coaches are, some of her coaches are the same coaches that I trained with to become an Equus coach. Uh-huh. And now I'm in training to become a master facilitator. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe I didn't make myself understand. Stood. Okay. Um, what I meant is you went to her for your own case in 2017. Yeah. All right. But yep. did you end up going to her because you had tried other forms of coaching or assistance no, the, for yourself the the first time i went i was just curious to oh, see okay what okay. what this horse thing was all about yeah. right and so then in 2018 i went to a retreat with a totally different coach ah uh-huh. and so that was more of a um you know a friend said i'm gonna go do this do you want to come with uh-huh. and i said yeah you Good. bet i do Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And then at the same time, I was going through my coach training. And so the following week, I was in California yeah. for a conference. And some of those coaches were doing an Equus workshop. And that sealed the deal for me. I decided uh-huh. that I just had to learn how to do it. So, um, But where did you... Um worried that not having had experience with horses as a rider would you know no you 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 were sure that you would be able to work in with that system yeah. having gone through it okay right right and and as a participant um you know it may have actually benefited me because uh i I didn't have a whole lot of um, horse knowledge or horse sense, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. you know, and so I was really open to, to whatever happened. I wasn't, um, I didn't have an, inter- uh, uh, an agenda. Uh-huh. And so, so I was willing to let anything happen. Right. And, 
it was just fascinating because two weekends back to back, two different states, Arizona, California, different horses. I had the horses give me the same message. Okay. They you're going exactly to have to explain that. I know. <laughs> so, so one of the horses that I worked with in Tucson. Let's give it was, a name. Do you, do you have the name of the horse? Oh gosh. I wish I, 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 oh, you're one of those. Love them and oh, leave them, huh? Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. That's okay. In, that's okay. It was in twenty. It was in twenty eighteen. Okay. That's a- she was a huge draft mare. Mm. She was incredible. And huge after our as in size, size. Um, yes, a draft horse is like a Clydesdale. If oh, you are that, familiar with no, a Clydesdale that horse. That doesn't okay. mean anything. Well, they're they're like a regular horse plus another half of a horse. I mean, oh, they're just wow. they're really tall, huge, and they're big. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just because they're really work horses. Uh-huh. And so she she you know I worked with her in the round pen, and then afterwards I had we were all sitting around in a circle mm-hmm. in chairs, and she was I had her on a lead rope, so yeah. she was with me, but you know, yeah. she could have wandered yeah. around. Right. Anyway, she was standing right beside me and right behind me. And she kept arcing her head over my head. Uh-huh. And the, the coach that I was working with said, I think she's trying to tell you that you need to be grounded. Oh, <laughs> and I said, in what way well, did she mean that, grounded? Well, because she's, she was arcing her head over mine. So she was trying to keep me down settled to earth Mm -hmm. sort of yeah Mm -hmm. into the earth right so so then the following weekend i was working with a different horse obviously because i'm in california now and that horse did exactly the same thing Uh she arced her head over mine and that coach totally different uh coaching model yeah um one, the one in, in Arizona was Gestalt coaching, and this was Equus coaching. Uh-huh. And th- the coach there said, I think she's trying to tell you that you need to be grounded. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I guess I need to ground myself. I got <laughs> you know? the message. <laughs> I think I've got the message, right? So that's that's why it was so, uh, it was so surprising. magical for yeah, me yeah, yeah. and so surprising. And I just had to learn how to do it. And so, but then what would, was the next step? Once you had that reaction, where did you go from there? Was that just, uh, was it to serve as a, an aha moment? And then you would go home and just realize that you had to be grounded or was there a follow-up to that in some way? Well, the, the follow-up for me was enrolling in the, um, training Uh so that I could do it professionally. Okay. Um, So that's, that's where that journey began as far as, um, sending me on that path to utilize horses as co-facilitators. I had Mm -hmm. to learn how to do that. And there's a, you know, there's a definite skill set there. And so, Um, I started that training in the spring of 2019 and was certified in August of 2020. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, 
I had just enrolled in and started my master facilitator training. Mm, interesting. And uh, so you must live near horses or have access. I have a I have a couple of ranches that are close by, you know, reasonably close by within 30 or 45 minutes that I use for my for my work. Um I don't own my own horses, mm-hmm. so um So how does that you know, work? Use you uh, you say, "Well, look, I'm coming in with a client. I need uh, Mr Ed, you know, the horse <laughs> um, for half a day or how, how would you work that out? So I, I, my sessions are, are typically uh, 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So an hour and a half. And I usually have access to, you know, at this one ranch, I have access to three horses at another ranch. I have access to at least two, if not more. And so I just, you know, I make an appointment. I say, could you please reserve the round pen or the arena for me on X amount, you know, X day and Mm -hmm. for so long. And, and then I show up and I, you know, get to, Mm -hmm. get to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's great. Wow. And, um, I guess people who come to you, they also come to you by word of mouth. Or, you know, word of mouth, and I do a lot of marketing on social media, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so that's you know they they find me that way, and but word of mouth is is primarily how they find me. Mm. So so now we'll let's get to the good stuff. Um, that okay. was good. That was like the the the, the, cheer, the cherry on the yeah <laughs> no no. Um, so what kind of um, issues could this type of coaching help best anything or is this something specific well working with horses can help you with anything because mm-hmm. they the reason why they're it's so effective is because because they mirror what what energy we're putting out mm-hmm. um they they really help you cut to the chase to the root you yeah. know cut to the chase yeah. and and it's so effective. One of my clients said, I got more out of this session with you and the horses than I did. I have in four months of therapy. Yeah. So it's really possible to, to, to really get some transformation in that 90 minute period or less. Mm -hmm. And that's not unusual. That's, that's pretty typical. So, um, you know, it's, it's really quite effective with anything. Yeah. Now yeah. I have a, I have a history of recovery. Uh-huh. Um, I've been sober since 19, uh, 20, 2009. 2009. And, um, and so I really enjoy working with women who are in the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, either they're, you know, becoming aware that they're over drinking or mm-hmm. they, you know, they may have been sober for some time and, and their recovery program is getting stale and they just need a little oomph to, yeah. you know, and, and life happens to all of us, right? Yeah, of so, course, of course, of course. So, you know, anything that comes up, I've worked with clients about trust issues and being able to make decisions and, you know, all kinds of things, business, yeah, pretty much anything. And you talk about alcoholism, and there's a family member of mine who has had a period. I I can't put my finger on it really for how long, but it was mm-hmm. very difficult 
to pinpoint. It was very difficult to, you know, there were trust issues. There were, you know, the, the family member just didn't want to open up, didn't want to admit, didn't want to go to therapy, didn't want, you know, it, it was very difficult. And she had a form of um, alcoholism, which is, uh, that I learned was called binge drinking. And mm-hmm. I understood that uh, to mean that it was occasional, but very bad when it did happen, right? Because mm-hmm. she was totally functional. She worked, she mm-hmm. had a, you know, responsible job and was a powerful job. And mm-hmm. then I don't know, you know, I, I, it's just so taboo. It's just so taboo that I don't know where she's at now. You know, um, mm-hmm. in your case, how did the development come? Are there many different types of alcoholism? And if so, are, is there a hierarchy of or differentiation <laughs> of types? Well, there, you know, the severity of it varies. Uh-huh. Um, I was very lucky. Um, when I hit my rock bottom, I was still very highly functional. Um, you know, the, the outside looked pretty much the same as it always yeah. had. Mm-hmm. The only difference was I woke up in the morning with the shakes mm. and, uh, my, mental health was deteriorating. What um, exactly is the shakes? What does it come well, from? Well, for me, I, my hands were shaking yeah. so bad I couldn't put my eyeliner on, for instance. Okay, so that is that is a, a direct result of alcoholism or it, it does it have well, a, a, a medical name? Well, I think it was, you know, because I was starting in the morning, right? You haven't had a drink for a period oh, right, of time because right, right. you've been sleeping. Right. So in the morning you wake up and you're going through withdrawal. Ah, okay. And so okay. your body is, you know, needs something to help calm it down, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one boundary that I was not going to cross. I, oh, I okay. you know, I said I would never drink in the morning. Of course, unless I'm at Sunday brunch. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, right? I, I agree. <laughs> because of course, then that's acceptable when you yeah. have, you know, five mimosas before right. noon. Right. So, uh, and that's not, you know, well, what that's was... day drinking. That's not yeah. getting out of bed, yeah. you know, needing a drink. So, so I wasn't at the point where I had to have a drink in the morning in order to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, but many people do. Yeah. Um, and what was you know, the uh, determining factor that finally, or, or had you gone for therapy several times and it didn't work? Or did it happen for you one day and you said, basta, I'm, I've done with this cold turkey? How did it happen? <laughs> Is cold well, turkey a myth? That no one? No. Ah, okay. No, it's not. No. Oh, because you were laughing I, and I thought, oh, what did I say? <laughs> no. No, I I quit cold turkey ah. uh, as a result of a suicide attempt. Oh, and so dear. I I got scared sober. You and... you attempted super or someone else? Mm-hmm. That's not ah. me. Uh huh. Um, we had gone for happy hour on Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Oh and... Jesus! Yeah. Friday, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. And that uh, should have been an alarm bell right there. <laughs> yep. And we got home and I realized that I had polished off, you know, the little bit of wine that was in the house before we went to happy hour. And so I said, damn it, 
we should have stopped at the liquor store. We're out of wine. And my husband said, well, I think you've had enough. Hmm. And that was enough to push me over the edge. Oh. And uh, I had been teetering on an emotional breakdown all day. Yeah. And so that had really, that just, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back, so, so to speak. And in that time period, you were working in another capacity, in another type of yes. work? Okay. What were you doing I at was, the time? I was self-employed, but I was a kitchen and bath designer. Oh, quite different. Yeah. yeah. Very different. Yeah. I, Very have, different. Would Do you still dabble a little in that every now and then? No. No, I don't. Um, but I love it still. I know. Um, I could. I, I just I know. I, you know, it's, yeah, I know it's one of those, that's, that's a part of like me the that, jewelry you know, that you wear, you yeah. know, all of those things yeah. in the bow. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fun. It's, yeah. it, it was really fun, but, um, you know, the, the market that I was in, I was, um, doing a lot of stuff for custom builders and, mm-hmm. you know, things were starting to do, go into a downturn mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. that point. So, okay. So, anyway. so it was time to change. It was time to change. Yeah. Um, and so now we're talking about uh, 2010. Is that right? No. Well, in 2009 was when I um, tried to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And um, fortunately, I don't really know how to use a gun. So oh, um, when it fired, it wasn't pointed at my head, mm-hmm. which was good. <laughs> but um, incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's a good story. And oh, yeah. uh, that, that was, you know, that was the end of my drinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, you say it's a good story. I I believe that as long as you have a story, you've got something to say. You'll never be alone, you know? So this is the way I think we need to uh, remind ourselves that that's part of who you are. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Did someone find you? How did you, how were you saved? Well, um, I mean, as I said, I, I had put the gun to my head and the safety was on and so it didn't fire. Ah. And then when I... Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing, and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with another guest, Nancy McKay. And what's so interesting about Nancy, and of course, so many things are, but what was very curious to me is that she uses, um, she coaches 
using horses and um, as co-facilitators in her life coaching. And I'd really like to uh, jump on that right away. But there are other things she's going to talk about. She is a whiz at mindset and building resilience. And so I'd like her to speak for herself. Nancy, welcome to Multiple Voices. I'm glad that you were able to take the time to stay with us today, be with us today. Well, thank you, Claudia. It's a pleasure to be here. Good. (laughs) Good. Now we got that out of the way. So, Nancy, I see that you're from Colorado. And um, when I read your profile and I saw your uh, use of horses, I thought right away, I thought of that wonderful film with Robert Redford, for, uh, The Horse Whisperer. Is that the name yep. of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, then she's got a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> so why don't you tell me how you started that? Were you always, uh, were you born and raised in that uh, state or? Um... I was, I was born and raised in Colorado. I had no um, or very little contact with horses. Oh, um, as I was growing up, I'm not mm-hmm. a horsewoman, so to ah, speak. That yeah. that grew up on a you know a beautiful ranch right. and had lots of horses. That was not my life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had done a little bit of trail riding, that sort of thing, and I always loved horses. I just mm-hmm. wasn't around them that much. I live in the city, so. Mm-hmm. Let me just take a moment to talk about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Stamps.com. It is the holiday season. The holidays are upon us and we all use the mail and we all go to the post office, right? If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It makes sense. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. You know, if you're like me, I have a small business and It is a one-man show. It usually is a one-man show for all of us. And when I have, especially during the season, but really all season, holiday season, but all year round, I save time and money using Stamps.com. So whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, stress during the holidays. Access the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of uh, using stamps.com is like, kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Couple of floors, sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day, I guess you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. We could all stand to save time and money all holiday seasons. So let's start that this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code 
pod, that's P-O-D, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code POD, P-O-D. You'll be happy that you did. So I had a, an opportunity to uh, be a client for oh. a woman who was doing Equus coaching, and she was in Santa Fe. And I just, oh my gosh, it was the most incredible experience. Well, well, now, wait a minute. You chose her because of that, or that was something she did you didn't know? I No, I chose her because of that. Uh-huh. I had heard ah. uh, that that working with horses was a really kind of a magical experience. And I, I really wanted to experience experience that. So, so how long ago was that? That was in 2017. Okay. So fairly recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And then the following year, yes, it was in 2018. I went to a women's Equus retreat Oh, in that Arizona. Sounds, sounds beautiful. So for a weekend, I got to play with horses. And well, what do you, wait, wait, uh, wait? When you say you have to play with horses, what does that look like for someone who has never ridden a horse? Right, right. So this has nothing to do with riding. the The ah. experience in 2017 and 2018 and beyond has there's no riding involved. All uh-huh. of it is groundwork. Uh-huh. So it's really learning to connect with a horse. And and the thing that's so fascinating about horses is they mirror back to you yeah. what you're putting out in the world. Let me get let let me have an example. Okay. If, if you can remember. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. So for instance, uh, you know, if if you go into the round pen, which is uh you know, a kind of a fenced enclosure. Uh Uh, It's about 60 feet in diameter. Uh And so if you go in there and you pretend that everything is wonderful, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I don't have a care in the world. And yet, you know, to to yourself, you're thinking, yeah, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. You know, you're filing for bankruptcy next week, right? Or something, you know, or you're going through a divorce or something like that, but you're pretending like everything's fine. So the horse picks up on our energy Mm -hmm. and the horse knows that you're not congruent, Mm -hmm. that, that you're pretending to be, or have be something that you're not, you're trying to feel something that that isn't there or you're trying to hide something, right? You know, I have to say that this is the absolute first time that I've come across someone who works with that type of system uh, for coaching. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it was in the movies, the horse whisperer right. for me. That's, um, And you heard it from someone else. So there is a grapevine there, you know, word of mouth mm-hmm. that really works still today. And um, had you before then, if you don't mind me asking, had you tried other forms of coaching that didn't work, yeah. for example? Oh, well, as far as 
professionally for me mm-hmm. using the the method. Yeah. Well, I am a certified Wayfinder Life Coach through Martha Beck, mm-hmm. and her coaches are some of her coaches are the same coaches that I trained with to become an Equus coach. Uh huh. And now I'm in training to become a master facilitator. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe I didn't make myself understand. Stood. Okay. Um, what I meant is you went to her for your own case in 2017. Yeah. All right. But yep. did you end up going to her because you had tried other forms of coaching or assistance no, the, for yourself? The, the first time I went, I was just curious to oh, see okay. What, okay. what this horse thing was all about, yeah. right? And so then in 2018, I went to a retreat with a totally different coach. Ah. And so that was more of a, um, you know, a friend said, I'm going to go do this. Do you want to come with? Uh And I said, yeah, you bet I do. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And then at the same time, I was going through my coach training. And so the following week, I was in California. Yeah for a conference and some of those coaches were doing an Equus workshop and that sealed the deal for me. I decided uh-huh. that I just had to learn how to do it. So, um, but were not you, um, worried that not having had experience with horses as a rider would, you know, no, you, you, you were sure that you would be able to work in with that system. Yeah. Having gone through it. Okay. Right, right. And and as a participant, um, you know, it may have actually benefited me because uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot of um, horse knowledge or horse sense, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was really open to, to whatever happened. I wasn't... Um, I didn't have an uh, uh, an agenda, uh-huh. and so so I was willing to let anything happen. Right, and it was just fascinating because two weekends, back to back, two different states: Arizona, California, different horses. I had the horses give me the same message. Okay, they you're exactly going to have to explain that. I know. So. <laughs> So one of the horses that I worked with in Tucson. Let's give it was, a name. Do you, do you have the name of the horse? Oh, gosh. I wish I. I, I oh, you're one of those. Love them and oh, leave them, huh? Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, no, no. That's okay. In, that's okay. It was in 2018. That's okay. She was a huge draft mare. Mm. She was incredible. And. Huge, After our as in size, size. Um, yes, a draft horse is like a Clydesdale. If oh, you are that, familiar with no, a Clydesdale that doesn't, horse, that doesn't okay. mean anything. Well, they're they're like a regular horse plus another half of a horse. I mean, oh, they're just wow. they're really tall, huge, and they're big. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just because they're really work horses. Uh-huh. And so. She, she, you know, I worked with her in the round pen and then afterwards I had, we were all sitting around in a circle mm-hmm. in chairs and she was, I had her on a lead rope. So yeah. she was with me, but you know, yeah. she could have wandered yeah. around. Right. Anyway, she was standing right beside me 
and right behind me. And she kept arcing her head over my head. Uh-huh. And the, the coach that I was working with said, I think she's trying to tell you that you need to be grounded. Oh, <laughs> and I said, in what way well, did she mean that, grounded? Well, because she's, she was arcing her head over mine. So she was trying to keep me down settled to earth mm-hmm. sort of yeah mm-hmm. into the earth right so so then the following weekend i was working with a different horse obviously because yeah. i'm in california now and that horse did exactly the same thing uh-huh. she arced her head over mine and that coach totally different uh coaching model yeah um one the one in in Arizona was Gestalt coaching and this was Equus coaching uh-huh. and the, the coach there said I think she's trying to tell you that you need to be grounded <laughs> it's like oh my god I guess I need to ground myself I got <laughs> you know? the message <laughs> I think I've got the message right so that's that's why it was so uh, it was so surprising. magical for yeah, me yeah, yeah. and so surprising. And I just had to learn how to do it. And so, but then what would, was the next step? Once you had that reaction, where did you go from there? Was that just, uh, was it to serve as a, an aha moment? And then you would go home and just realize that you had to be grounded or was there a follow-up to that in some way? Well, the, the follow-up for me was enrolling in the um, training uh-huh. so that I could do it professionally. Okay. Um, so that's that's where that journey began as far as um, sending me on that path to utilize horses as co-facilitators. I had mm-hmm. to learn how to do that. And there's a, you know, there's a definite skill set there. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I started that training in the spring of 2019 and was certified in August of 2020. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I have just enrolled in and started my master facilitator training. Mm, interesting. And uh, so you must live near horses or have, I have ass. a, I have a couple of ranches that are close by, you know, reasonably close by within 30 or 45 minutes that I use for my, for my work. Um, I don't own my own horses. Mm -hmm. So, um, so how does that work? You, uh, you say, well, look, I'm coming in with a client. I need, uh, Mr. Ed, you know, the horse, (laughs) (laughs) um, for half a day or how, how would you work that out? So I, I, my sessions are, are typically, uh, 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So an hour and a half. And I usually have access to, you know, at this one ranch, I have access to three horses. At another ranch, I have access to at least two, if not more. And so I just, you know, I make an appointment. I say, could you please reserve the round pin or the arena for me on X amount, you know, X day and Mm -hmm. for so long. And and then I show up and I, you know, get to to work. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's great. Wow. And um, I guess people who come to you, they also come to you by word of mouth or, you know, word of mouth. And I do a lot of marketing on social media Mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So 
that's, you know, they, they find me that way. And, but word of mouth is, is primarily how they find me. Mm. So, so now we'll, let's get to the good stuff. Um, that okay. was good. That was like the, 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 the cheer, the cherry on the, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, so what kind of um, issues could this type of coaching help best? Anything or is this something specific? Well, working with horses can help you with anything because mm-hmm. they, the reason why they're, it's so effective is because because they mirror what, what energy we're putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really help you cut to the chase, to the root, you yeah. know, cut to the chase. Yeah. And, and it's so effective. One of my clients said, I got more out of this session with you and the horses. than I did, I have in four months of therapy. Yeah. So it's really possible to, to, to really get some, transformation in that 90 minute period or less. Mm -hmm. And that's not unusual. That's, that's pretty typical. So, um, you know, it's, it's really quite effective with anything. Yeah. Now I have a, I have a history of recovery. Uh Um, I've been sober since 19, uh, 2009, 2009. And, um, and so, I really enjoy working with women who are in the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, either they're, you know, becoming aware that they're over drinking or mm-hmm. they, you know, they may have been sober for some time and, and their recovery program is getting stale and they just need a little oomph to, yeah. you know, and, and life happens to all of us, right? Yeah, of so, course, of course, of course. So, you know, anything that comes up, I've worked with clients about trust issues and being able to make decisions and, you know, all kinds of things, business, yeah, pretty much anything. And you talk about alcoholism and there's a family member of mine who has had a period, I, I can't put my finger on it really for how long, but it was very mm-hmm. difficult to pinpoint. It was very difficult to, you know, there were trust issues. There were, you know, the, the family member just didn't want to open up, didn't want to admit, didn't want to go to therapy, didn't want, you know, it it was very difficult. And she had a form of um, alcoholism, which is, uh, that I learned was called binge drinking. And Mm -hmm. I understood that uh, to mean that it was occasional, but very bad when it did happen, right? Because Mm -hmm. she was totally functional. She worked, she Mm -hmm. had a, you know, responsible job and was a powerful job and mm-hmm. then i don't know you know i i it's, it's just so taboo it's just so taboo that i don't know where she's at now you know um mm-hmm. in your case how did the development come are there many different types of alcoholism and if so are is there a hierarchy of or differentiation <laughs> of types well there you know the severity of it varies. Uh-huh. Um, I was very lucky. Um, when I hit my rock bottom, I was still very highly functional. Um, you know, the, the outside looked pretty much the same as it always yeah. had. Mm-hmm. The only difference was I woke up in the morning with the shakes mm. and, uh, my mental health was deteriorating. What um, exactly is the shakes? What is it? 
come from? Well, for me, I, my hands were shaking yeah. so bad I couldn't put my eyeliner on, for instance. Okay, so that is that is a, a direct result of alcoholism or it does it have well, a, a medical name? Well, I think it was, you know, because I was starting in the morning, right? You haven't had a drink for a period oh, right, of time because right, right. you've been sleeping. Right. So in the morning you wake up and you're going through withdrawal. Ah, okay. And so okay. your body is, you know, needs something to help calm it down essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that was one boundary that I was not going to cross. I, oh, I, okay. you know, I said I would never drink in the morning, of course, unless I'm at Sunday brunch. <laughs> that's right. You know, right? I, I agree. Because of course, then that's acceptable when you yeah. have, you know, five mimosas before right. noon. Right. So, uh, and that's not, you know, well, what that's was day drinking. That's not yeah. getting out of bed, yeah. you know, needing a drink. So, so I wasn't at the point where I had to have a drink in the morning in order to get going. Mm -hmm. um, but many people do. Yeah. Um, and what was you know, the uh, determining factor that finally, or, or had you gone for therapy several times and it didn't work? Or did it happen for you one day and you said, basta, I'm, I've done with this cold turkey. How did it happen? <laughs> Is cold well, turkey a myth? That no one. No. Ah, okay. No, it's not. No, oh, because you were laughing, I and I thought, oh, what did I say? <laughs> no, no, I I quit cold turkey. Ah. Uh, as a result of a suicide attempt. Oh and dear. So I I got scared sober. You and... you attempted super or someone else? Mm -hmm. That's not ah. me. Uh huh. huh. Um, we had gone for happy hour on Friday the 13th. Yeah. Oh, and, Jesus. Yeah. Friday, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. And that should uh, have been an alarm bell right there. <laughs> yep. And we got home and I realized that I had polished off, you know, the little bit of wine that was in the house before we went to happy hour. And so I said, damn it, we should have stopped at the liquor store. We're out of wine. And my husband said, well, I think you've had enough. Hmm. And that was enough to push me over the edge. Oh. And uh, I had been teetering on an emotional breakdown all day. Yeah. And so that had really, that just, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back, so, so to speak. And in that time period, you were working in another capacity, in another type of yes. work? Okay. What were you doing I at was, the time? I was self-employed, but I was a kitchen and bath designer. Oh, quite different. Yeah, yeah. very different. Yeah, I'd very have, different. Would do you still dabble a little in that every now and then? No, no, I don't. Um, but I love it still. I know. Um, I could. I, I just I know. I, you know. It's, I know. It's one of those. That's that's a part of like me the that, jewelry you know, that just, you wear. You yeah, know, all of those things yeah. in the bow. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. 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 It's it's fun. It's, yeah. it, it was really fun, but, um, you know, the, the market that I was in, I was, um, doing a lot of stuff for custom builders and, mm -hmm. you know, things were starting to do, go into a downturn mm -hmm, mm -hmm, at that mm -hmm. point. So, okay. So, anyway. so it was time to change. It was time to change. Yeah. Um, and so now we're talking about uh, 2010, is that right? No. Well, in 2009 was when I, um, tried to kill myself mm -hmm. and, um, Fortunately, I 
don't really know how to use a gun. So um, when it fired, it wasn't pointed at my head, Mm -hmm. which was good. (laughs) But um, incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's a good story. And, uh, that, that was, you know, that was the end of my drinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, you say it's a good story. I, I believe that as long as you have a story, you've got something to say, you'll never be alone, you know? So this is the way I think we need to, uh, remind ourselves that that's part of who you are. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Did someone find you? How did you, how were you saved? Well, um, I mean, as I said, I, I had put the gun to my head and the safety was on and so it didn't fire. Ah. And then when I lowered the gun to figure out why the hell it wasn't firing, yeah, I realized that the safety was on and I released the safety and the gun fired while it was not pointed at my head. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that got shot was an innocent pillow on the bed. Uh-huh. And my husband was in the living room and he came running and grabbed the gun out of my hand and punched a hole in the wall and went and mm-hmm. hit the gun. <laughs> oh, these men, they're always after, punching after holes in the wall. <laughs> after a hug. Oh, okay. Well, he was, you know, it scared him to death yeah. and, yeah. um, and it scared me to death, you know, and that's, that was really all it took because what I realized is that's where my drinking takes me. Now, yeah. you know, everybody's got a different story, but right. for me, you know, I was already, being treated for depression Uh and, and when you pour alcohol over Over antidepressants, yeah, 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 yeah. It, you negate the medication because, because it, it it totally negates it. So here I am depressed. I'm, and then I'm drinking a depressant Mm -hmm. and just making everything so much worse. So I was having somewhat of a mental break that day Mm -hmm. and you know, when I, when it was very obvious that I could no longer drink safely, mm-hmm. then, yeah, yeah, you know, that was um, it. When did it start to escalate? Were you cognizant? I mean, were you aware of, of oh, the yeah. increase? And did it happen around the, uh, the, the issue of depression or was it something different? It was something different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had always been a party girl. Yeah. Um, and then, um, when I was, when I was 50, Mm -hmm. so this was in 2007, my father committed suicide. Oh dear. And Mm, that'll do it. Yep. I found him and I just felt horrifically guilty. Yeah. And so that, that just, you know, my drinking just skyrocketed. Let me ask you this. Um, When you decided to stop after the attempted suicide, you you said that you uh, went cold turkey, but does that mean you were still able to go into programs like uh, Alcoholic Anonymous? So you did go and that's through what a I program. Did. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. How did, I, I, uh, did you find uh, Solas? I mean, did was it for you or was it something that you, you know, didn't want to get into right away? Well, for me, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Mm. Um, I had, I had known for years, even before my father killed himself, that, that I had, you know, a bit of a problem, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't ready to quit. 
Mm-hmm. And other than AA, there wasn't really anything, anything. else mm-hmm. that I was aware of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. unless it was rehab and that's, you know, hideously expensive. So yeah. you don't even think about that. Right. Yeah. So, so when I, uh, I just, you know, I, I really resisted going to AA yeah. until, until I didn't have a choice. And right, I felt right. like, I felt like the day after mm-hmm. I, I really had to, you know, do something yeah. significant. And right. so fortunately we had a neighbor who, um, was in recovery Yeah, and we would walk our dogs together and she would leave me these little kind of breadcrumbs, you know, there's all, you know, there's help for you when you're uh-huh. ready sort of thing. Right. And so I knew exactly who to call uh-huh. <laughs> that day. Um, and I asked her to take me to my first meeting. And so she took me to my first couple meetings and then I went every day for over a year. Uh-huh. And, and then I, you know, scaled back because I got a really good job and you right, know, right, right. going every day wasn't feasible. Wasn't at feasible. That point, so. Well, there, you know, I, I don't know if this is correct, but I have come to think that not everyone has that addictive behavior, whether it's, you know, buying jewelry or, you know, that obsessive addictive behavior they can't do without doing something, right? Eating chocolate or whatever it is. A lot of people, I mean, it's, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think this is part of their nature. Um, For example, there's a colleague of mine who, uh, whose father, was uh, an alcoholic for so for as long as she could remember and she typically um would meet men who were alcoholics and it was in you know subconsciously she was uh, you know went toward that i don't know what the reason was if she felt like she had to be the savior or what it was but she for example didn't touch any she just didn't even like beer she didn't like wine she just doesn't touch it you know and this makes me think that it's not everyone can even has the ability to go there to do that uh, because it's just not part of their makeup Um, in your case you said about your father was your father also an alcoholic yes Uh uh-huh I see So it's, it's Mm -hmm. definitely runs in my family on both Uh sides. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it. Uh Um, and I also think that there's, there are, um, there are beliefs that we have about ourselves and thoughts that we have about ourselves that, Mm -hmm. um, increase that need you know, when you're, for instance, you know, I'm learning a lot about trauma Mm. and when you're raised by parents who are drinking a lot, that makes, that makes you not fully present. Yeah. 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 And so as a result, your children paid the price and, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents were very high functioning, but there was still a price that I had to pay for that. And that was, you know, always feeling like I needed validation. Yes. And, you know, and I didn't feel like I was enough because I would ask them to stop drinking and they wouldn't. And mm-hmm. so now it's, you know, 
I got the message loud and clear that that I wasn't worth that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you you get these messages as you're growing up if right. you're in that environment and and that carried over into my life. Yeah. To where, you know, that led to my own promiscuity and and my own alcohol abuse and and self-sabotage in mm -hmm. all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. And but the thing that is very, 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 very important to know is that alcohol is an addictive substance. Yes. Not everyone who consumes it will become addicted, Yeah. but it is an addictive substance. Mm -hmm. And for anyone to, um, to uh, you know, think that that's not the case is- um, Is wrong. You know, right. I think- is yeah. wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, it's so interesting that, you know, alcohol is the only drug that we have to justify not taking mm -hmm. instead of taking. In, you know, in what sense? It, well, you know, you go to a party and someone says what, you know, red or white or mm -hmm. champagne, or can I build you a Manhattan or, you know, whatever. Nobody, everyone expects everyone to be to drinking, drinking. Yeah. it's 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 a normal cultural societal yeah thing. in the united and states and so when you say mm -hmm. no yeah. thank you everybody's like well what do you mean mm -hmm. why are why are you not drinking you know i think it's becoming a little bit better now mm -hmm. because there are so many people who are not drinking for one reason or another. It doesn't have to mean that you're an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. It means that that you choose not to put poison in your body. Right, right. Listen, right? you you because also, it is poison. It is well, it's something that is not conducive to good health. Let's put it that way. Um, right. When you say you talk about the stigma of alcoholism, mm. and that's an interesting concept. Of, what do you mean exactly by that? Well. You know, when I started thinking that, you know, that I had a problem yeah. with alcohol, mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to quit because, well, I didn't want to go to AA because I knew they'd make me quit. Ah, well, <laughs> right? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, so I didn't want to do that. And it was because of the stigma that surrounded not only AA, but not drinking. Yes. You know, like I was just saying, you have to make an excuse not to take the drug instead of making an excuse to take the drug. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there is this stigma around, you can't, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you can't hold your liquor, you can't, you know, you're, living under a bridge, drinking out of a brown paper bag, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. You know, it's that mm -hmm. it's this vision that everyone has of someone who has a drinking problem. And yeah. that kept me drunk for a long time. You know, that yeah. Yeah. that idea of being labeled yeah. and faced with that kept me drunk for a long time. Yeah. And so my my passion is to shatter the stigma Mm -hmm. of alcohol, alcoholism, addiction, alcohol addiction, over drinking, you know, whatever you want to call it. 
I am really trying to get away from the labels. Mm-hmm. I think alcoholism is an illness. Yeah. But it's um it also is preventing people from getting help. Yes. Because they don't want to admit that they they are that. Yes, and so of course. as and that's where I was. And as a result, I kept drinking until I put a gun to my head. Yeah. And so you know, yeah. I just yeah. think if people can understand that that there's a better way yeah. and that it's not the end of the world, mm-hmm. then, um, you know. Yeah, there, there the needs to be, be a, um, a perspective shift, a, a shift of consciousness in this regard. Um, when you, uh, do, would you say that women as alcoholics are uh, stigmatized differently from men as alcoholics and you're, you're would, nodding yeah, your head. Yes. So. Oh, why? Yeah. Uh, well, because first of all, I, and let me state this oh so clearly, I'm a feminist. So, ah. <laughs> you know, I think women have gotten the short shrift for a long, 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 long time. There still and are. So, still yes, are. And yeah. we still are. Yeah. And so, you know, the, for instance, the big alcohol companies are marketing directly to women and directly to mothers, young mothers, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, they make sure that it's, um, you know, a pretty rosé or a a sweet flavored vodka or something that, you know, mommy can take the edge off with. Yeah. Well, you know, know, but it's the same with any kind of substance like cigarettes. It's the same. Well, it's the same marketing Big alcohol is doing exactly the same thing that big tobacco did years ago. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. And so big tobacco, you know, they came out with Virginia Slims and right, right. all the pretty cigarettes and, you know, smoke like a lady, you know, drink like a lady. It's just, you know, and they target women to feel like you have to do this in order to feel pretty and you know they romanticize it yeah right and Mm -hmm. so not only is the marketing different but you know women's tolerance is different too Mm -hmm. you know our physical makeup is different Mm -hmm. and so it takes less alcohol to become addicted it takes less alcohol to get drunk and and the other thing that's interesting about drinking is for instance with me and I, I think this is pretty common across the board from, you know, sitting, sitting in AA meetings for years and listening to people mm-hmm. share their stories, you know, it becomes unpredictable. So, you know, when I was younger, I could say, well, at three glasses of wine, I catch a buzz and, and I know I shouldn't you yeah. know, I shouldn't drive after that, or I shouldn't, you know, make a decision after that, right, or, right. you know, whatever, right. But I knew, you know, you know, you kind of know your limit, right. Yeah. But, but later in my drinking, you know, when I was drinking alcoholically, so to speak, um, I might have four glasses of wine one day and barely catch a buzz mm. and then have two glasses another day and be mm-hmm. staggering. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really unpredictable. You couldn't, I couldn't determine how 
it was going to affect yeah, them yeah, yeah, yeah. any given yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and I think that happens a lot across and the I board. And I don't know if that's, women. you know, gender related or not, mm-hmm. but um, I think, you know, and as far as women go, there's that shame element mm. that I don't think that men necessarily experience, yeah. experience mm. in the same way. And so, you know, women just kind of naturally feel shame at a deeper level. And, yeah. and I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, Nancy, do you have any kind of um, hobby, non, non-commercial hobby, non, non-money-making hobby, like dancing or, you know, bowling or something? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I, I say bowling, people laugh. I'm a terrible bowler. Um, <laughs> yes, I love um, I love textiles. So I do Ooh. needlework. I do ah. needlepoint, and I'm also a weaver, which is oh, um, that's uncommon today. Kind of, yeah, it's not. It and I love it, but I haven't done it. You what? Know, in, how in did you get into that? Years. Well, when I was in interior design school, mm-hmm. we one of my favorite one of my favorite classes was textiles, and oh. so we we toured a, a facility where they had, you know, a few looms set up and, yeah. and it just fascinated me. And then my father uh, gifted me a beautiful Loom. Um, scarf one day that, ah. or for what, for Christmas one year. And it was handmade by a friend of his. And so she, she kind of was my mentor and encourager. And so yeah. I took weaving lessons and, and just fell in love with it. So you're the kind of person who goes around touching everything. <laughs> you go to yeah, shops. Yeah, I'm very tactile. Too. Yes. I do too. Yeah. Very My tactile. mother was a, yep. a seamstress. And, uh, you oh. know, when you grow up with all of these fabrics and you get to yes. know all of the names and, and the touch and the feel and know this, you can't put this and, you know, that'll look terrible because, you know, so, so yep. you have this image yep. and it's fascinating. And then all you yep. have to do is whip it up and there it is you know you see yeah. something yeah yeah it's lovely lovely yeah wow i'm so glad that you you were able to come uh, on this show to talk to us because you you know the the issue of um equus coaching how you got into that and are really touting the benefits of equus coaching is it's quite phenomenal. It's quite interesting, quite unique. Um, and I, I think it's, it would behoove people who are listening to consider that kind of coaching because it's far different from any other type at all, at all. It really is. It really is. It's so effective. And, and part of the reason is, you know, you're out in nature and you're with this incredible, you know, animal beast that that is bigger than you and is more gentle than you can imagine Mm -hmm. and they look into your eyes and you can feel it in your soul yeah and it's just you can you can feel the transformation at a cellular level it's Mm. just it's magic yeah that's what i call it i think it's magic and it's just it's something that i oh i'm going to have to to go look for some horses this weekend yes (laughs) Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I had absolutely. Um, I have two sons and the youngest the oldest is a more intellectual and the youngest is you know he has to be moving, you know, touchy feely and doing you know, he's a big big he has to work hard. And when he was young before he got into sports, 
he he said, you know, I'd like to learn to ride a horse. And I could remember as if it were yesterday because I couldn't afford the lessons. And so mm-hmm. I made a deal with the person who owned the horses. I said, um, he needed something. And I said, well, you know, I'm a translator and interpreter. And so he made me translate an entire videos of a certain type of training that was in the United States. And so I went along doing this and I could see my son going around and around and around. It was fabulous. Oh. It was fabulous. It was oh, fabulous. Yeah. It is. It's, it's wonderful. And, yeah. you know, I had to take horseback riding lessons for my certification and, and that was so much fun. I mean, I had never had formal lessons before and, yeah. and, um, it was, it was really, it's fascinating. It's yeah. really and something. It's fun, yeah, fun it really too. It is yeah. very fun. So you're not a good bowler, yeah. huh, Nancy? <laughs> no, bad, bad, not bad, bad. <laughs> Would probably make you go back to drink bowling. Yeah, it, yeah. it <laughs> probably it would. It kind of makes, yeah. It, it Thank you so much for coming. And um, is there one thing that you would like to say to our audience? both men and women alike, probably 80% women, um, that you could leave us with? Yes. I think that what I, you know, what I would really like to share is that if anyone is struggling with alcohol, um, you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to make a change. Mm -hmm. And this side is, is really great. You know, it, there's nothing to be afraid of. I I was always afraid that I'd never have fun again. Mm. And that just simply is not the case. Yeah. And, you know, my life has, has gotten so much better after I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. So if oh, you're struggling, you. reach out to someone mm-hmm. and get some, get some help. I think, I think having some support and some help in that arena is very, very important. Thank you so much, Nancy. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.